0: A huge thank you and shout out to NGBN TV for sponsoring this video podcast episode. On today's episode, we'll be hearing from Eddie Thomason. At eight, he was forced to take care of his mom who raised two kids on $13,000 a year of disability. His dad abused his mom and left, and he realized to get out of his neighborhood, he would have to either sell drugs, be an entertainer or be a successful athlete. He played football through college with a scholarship, but fell short of the NFL. Now he works with kids in college. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster, I'm Jen Taylor. I'm so excited, I have Eddie Thomas. And Eddie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing amazing, Jen. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. I'm just happy to be here.
0: <laughs> me too, and you and I cyber met on LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm. I'm never opposed to having meetings with people. I really like to connect and have meetings, but a lot mm-hmm. of times on LinkedIn people want to get your business too. And so it takes a special conversation for right. me. Like I need to know you're engaging and for real, like you've actually looked past my name mm-hmm. and uh, you did that. And we met and connected and had like a virtual coffee date yep. and your son, who's two months old was with yes. you for that. Yeah. So that was really fun. So we've <laughs> connected before. Where are you at your East coast?
1: Yep, I'm on the East coast. I'm in Binghamton, New York now. So not oh, okay. close to New York city. Uh, it's about three hours away from New York city, but okay. for people that are, uh, I guess they have their geography lessons. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes south of Syracuse.
0: <laughs> All right. Nice job. Yep. So tell me your, your website, I have your website up. So if I'm looking up into the atmospheres, because that's where my screen is,
1: no your problem.
0: website is Thompson.com. Yep. So like Eddie. not, not super
1: hard people. Exactly. Just make sure you spell the last name right. It's T exactly. H O M A S O N. Don't put a P in there. It's Thomason, not Thompson. That's
0: right. <laughs> so I'll have that in the show notes. Everybody will be able to find you in any way that they want. But dive in and tell me about the website. Who are you, and what do you do?
1: Absolutely. So again, for everybody who's already listening, my name is Eddie Thomason. I am a inspirational speaker inside of the youth and college university markets. I love to do what I do because I help kids shed self-limiting beliefs and step into their own greatness so they can pursue a life that they're passionate about living. And that's, that's been my passion for a while now, just helping kids uh, just really overcome themselves and overcome their circumstances because your past does not have to determine what your future is. And um, that's a firm belief that I have, and I love doing it. Uh, in addition to that, I also do some coaching as well. So I basically help a lot of, uh seasoned business owners that are trying to figure out how to keep millennials inside of their ranks um because millennials typically leave after three to five years right so i think the the voice that i have to speak to youth but also the business savviness that i have running a business on myself i basically help those entrepreneurs figure out how to establish mentorship type of opportunities that actually show the millennials that they care about them and not just about their productivity at work with their overall health, their overall relationship, like all the things that millennials want to know that you care about, which helps them stick at your organization, so you're not spending so much money in turnover and just hiring the next person. So that's another aspect of what I do. And then outside of that, man, I'm I'm just a regular guy. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. <laughs> I love to have fun. Um, I'm just just a regular dude that's that's honestly just trying to continue to live out the gifts and the talents that my god my lord and savior has blessed me with and just trying to share that with the world too
0: (laughs) and you have two little ones
1: yes yes i have a 16 month old and i have a three month old who will actually be four months at the end of this month which is crazy it's a week from now
0: (laughs) so that's the end of july 2020 okay so regardless of what people are they're they're close together so that's a lot of fun exactly i think it's super (laughs) I, i didn't realize from our conversation before that you're speaking was predominantly at colleges, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then to look at seasoned business owner with those same exact students, so those same mm-hmm. exact kids in that age group, how did that, how did I, I kind of understand? I know, I think I know the college aspect of it just mm-hmm. from a little bit of your history, but yeah. how did you decide to work with millennials?
1: Primarily because, it's a lot millennials today right they're between the age of like 16 to 22 right it's that younger generation that's coming up and entering the workforce right now just graduated from college and a lot of these kids man similar situation as me it's like you get to that point in life and you're like what do i do next like now that i i no longer have the structure of high school for some and some of them is i don't have the structure from college and I, it, I'm now expected to be an adult, right? Like I have to do this adulting thing. And now it's like, you know, what? where do I go from here, right? Like, is this just what life is? Like, do I just literally wake up and go to work and come home and eat and watch TV and go to sleep and wake up and do the exact same thing on repeat? So it's like it's like that crossroads that we all hit where it's like, we're no longer kids and we don't have like this unlimited freedom. Like we have to actually accept responsibility and start doing things and being productive citizens in the world. Right? So, um, I love being able to work with millennials cause a lot of the times, you know, uh, it's, it's both ends of the spectrum. Sometimes you get some people that are like very entitled, like they expect, like, Oh, I did everything my parents told me to do. Like I went to school, I got good grades. I went to college and I got a good job. So I should be rich. Like, no, it doesn't work like that, right? So it's like, first you gotta help them kind of figure out that and break that false belief first and help them figure out what a work ethic is. And then you have other people who are amazingly talented, like just phenomenal people, great people skills, um, amazing like people to have a part of your organization. However, they don't know that or see that about themselves, right? right. And you gotta kind of help them realize that so that they can step into their roles and within their gifts so they can start excelling in those careers or even you know splitting off and doing their own businesses and their own things as they uh step into their own savviness right so i I just love working with millennials man i think i think it's a different you know different parts of the perspective but um being able to have that conversation with them and help them bridge the gap from wherever they are to where they want to go is a huge passion of mine
0: I have kids older than millennials. And then I have kids that are millennials. And I'm like, were you people raised in the same house by the same (laughs) parents?" And it's not just like every kid, every child has their own personality. It's beyond that, which is really confusing and fascinating and interesting to me. (laughs) Do they, do you feel like millennials, why why don't they stay at places?
1: Primarily because I think millennials grow up in a microwave type of, of environment right more so than what I did because I'm only 27 so I'm not so far removed from the millennial generation right um but it's so much more of a microwave society that millennials grew up in it's kind of like I need this quick fix now so it's like if they're not getting the results that they wanted at an organization or if they're not getting the support that they felt as though they need or you know they hear all this stuff around like you know you got the Kardashians and all these people that get paid really to do nothing So in their mind, it's like, I should get paid to do nothing. Like, why the heck am I here, you know, grinding it out, trying to put in my dues when I could just go do something and get rich, right? Whereas though, obviously that's not the case. We both know that if anything worth having, it takes time to build and and it takes a work ethic and it takes all the things that's necessary to create success. However, a lot of millennials aren't taught that, you know, and it's it's not just in the home either. It's what you're consumed in social media. You gotta think like they're social media babies. They're the ones that you gave the phone to and they already knew what the heck was going on at three years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's a completely different environment or um, upbringing that they had. Because for me, I, I mean, I still lived in a time where there was no cell phones. And like I said, I'm only 27. <laughs> like the biggest, the cell, only cell phone I saw when I was a kid was the big, huge clunky one that you put inside the like inside the car that only yeah. Deion Sanders had. Like, you know, I was like, hey, ain't nobody as important as Deion Sanders. Like nobody needs a cell phone where today, if you don't have a cell phone it's like what are you doing dog like are are you alive are you okay
0: <laughs> yeah right? i know you can be in dire straits and still have a cell phone Exactly. You know it's interesting because my youngest daughter's 10 now and a couple years ago she was frustrated with us and there were two conversations that happened close together so see if you can relate to this with millennials because she's not a millennial she's 10. Mm. but she said um I said, I know you like to dance and sing. We can get you into lessons. And she mm-hmm. said, I don't need lessons. I just need you to put me on the stage and give me a microphone because everyone thinks I'm cute. <laughs> and I was like, dude, how do I parent a child where I'm like, mm, that's not gonna work actually. Right, right. <laughs> You're not all that cute. Like, I, you don't want to blow their self-esteem at the right. same time. It's like, I, holy cow. And then she was like, Indignant that yeah. we she didn't have her own YouTube channel because she was she like, I just need my own YouTube channel, so I don't know why you guys can't just let me do that. We don't let you do that, we have <laughs> do all the work for you, and because they see the most famous, they see the highlight reel, right? Exactly. They say they see the highlight reel of the people, and it can be a great YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. for a, a an eight to ten-year-old to watch with this family with kids and everything but they're one out of a billion i I don't even know the numbers have got to be staggering
1: right right just
0: give her a microphone on a youtube channel and,
1: <laughs> <she's> a, <laughs> and
0: i mean really i was like okay that,
1: well, well, that's doesn't work jen i gotta say one i applaud the confidence that your 10-year-old has See? Like that is a- <laughs> right <laughs> Confidence is definitely very, very important. <laughs> so I love the fact that she had that confidence. However, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. However, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of times, um, like like I said, it's it's that microwave society, right? Yeah. It's that thought process of like, you know, all I have to do is this one thing, and then that one thing is going to hit. And and that's what most people see. It's like, oh, like that person does it. Why can't I just make this one video? but instead of looking at like the lead up, the build oh. up, most people try to compare their page one to other people's page 100.
0: Yeah, exactly. I
1: think that's the, that's the number one concern, especially for the younger generation, millennials and things like that. They look at like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, like say for example, Sean Canal, right? Or Sean Cannell, I forget how you actually say his name. He's a huge YouTuber. He has like over 1.2 million subscribers on the show, but he started out, like his very first video <laughs> is god awful. Like yeah. trash. And he talks about it himself. He's like, Oh my gosh, like this was one of the worst experiences that you can ever see. Like he's on the all stoic, like, yeah. And I might not even be energetic and I don't really, really know why I'm making these videos. Like, it was like, so it was so bad. However, you see him now it's like, he brings the energy. He's so excited. He's so engaging. You're like, how the heck? Like, but that was his page one, right? That was his page one compared to the page 100. But most people think like, Oh, I can. I, I'm like Sean Canal now. Like that, him, him there. That's me now. And it's like, right. nah, bro. You still, you still have to, some things to learn, right? And even if you have the presence right. and, the, and the personality for it, there's still so many other things you need to learn behind the scenes, right? You got to learn how to yeah. do it on on a camera. You need to figure out how to do the editing and all the other pe- pieces of it. Yeah. Whereas though, like you said, you as a parent, you ain't gonna do all that. <laughs> well
0: i mean i wouldn't you know it's kind of like playing video games i have this Fortnite family and i don't i don't play video i don't understand it mm-hmm. um but yeah you're probably not going to be Fortnite famous by the time you're 12 and earning a living and we're setting up a trust i, right. I, I mean like i'm cool if you become if you're that good on your downtime at doing no. something like that when you're going to school and you're playing with your friends and you're mm-hmm. getting outside And under downtime, you start becoming good. No one is going to support you. Yeah, I'll homeschool you and you Mm -hmm. can play video games 10 Mm -hmm. hours a day. But there's so much that you have to do before that's ever going to happen, you know, and you're right. So millennials are quite a bit like that also. And I understand where it's coming from because they are, Mm -hmm. they are growing up seeing this, that they should just be this like one hit wonder. So (laughs) I was going to ask you, are you starting a podcast? Did I read that?
1: yeah you did actually it's funny i just launched today so it's january july 24th and i am now across all platforms so apple Podcasts, google actually google's the only one that didn't accept it i guess per se yet but like stitcher spotify everything else i'm already on so yes kudos curse breaker community you're here
0: (laughs) that's awesome so tell me about the podcast
1: yep so the podcast go it's, it's an extension of me man like you think about this whole thought process of being a curse breaker, and uh, just to share a little bit of my background, because I hate to give content without context, right? right. Um, in my background, I grew up down in Baltimore, Maryland, and I and I was born in a family that struggled with poverty for generations, right? I mean, my dad left when I was about seven or eight years old, with forced my mom to take care of me and my brother on a thirteen thousand dollar a year disability income, right? So, and I say that not because I'm, I want a pity party or anything else. I just want to give people the idea of where I was because at that point it was rough, man. I remember it was about two years of my life when we didn't have any running hot water in my life or in our house. So the way we actually uh, bathed ourselves, my mom would boil these huge pots of water and pour it into a basin and mix it with some cold water and send me upstairs with a cup. And we would rinse off with that cup and then wash off and then rinse off again, she called it cup towels, right? So it was like, but for me, I, I still to this day, I give my mom all the credit because I didn't know I was poor until I was like 16, 17 years old. And I started to see how other people actually lived. Right. Um, and even then, like when I was 16, 17 years old, it wasn't as bad as I just described. Right. Like that was only a season that was in our life. So when I look at it, it's just kind of like, it's wild how much my mom had to sacrifice to even help me not realize or adopt this poor mindset or this poverty type of mindset. Right. Um, But you know, going on from there, I had this whole mentality of like, okay, I remember thinking to myself as a kid growing up, like how was I born into this? Like my mom and dad only have GEDs. My sister was the only one in the household who's actually 22 years older than me um, who had a high school diploma. My brother dropped out when he was in the ninth grade. He has his GED now, but at the time, you know, I was just kind of like, how was I born into this, man? Like why, why was this my circumstances when everything else And then I don't know, I just kind of got this, I got a a dream was born, put it that way. Cause I felt like I only had three options to create success after I realized like that was kind of like my my, uh, ceiling that my parents have made. It's basically like, okay, okay, as long as you graduate high school, then you're going to be good, right? Um, That's kind of what I had in my mind. But I was like, no, I want to take that a step further. I want to be able to pay my mom back for all the sacrifices. And the three things that I had in my mind of being successful was either I had to be a successful or professional athlete right i could have to be some type of professional performer entertainer rapper dancer singer something like that or i could sell drugs like that was my three options that i had and i chose option one i was like man if i'm gonna do this thing i don't really i can't really sing i ain't had a confidence in your 10 year old right so i didn't <laughs> i didn't think i could just put a mic in my hand i definitely ain't about that the thug life right right i, want, I don't want to want so drugs so I, I started playing football and football became my thing and i developed this passion for it and i wanted to play play for the Ravens because obviously I grew up down in Baltimore and everything else and I started pursuing that dream and then my brother basically told me well hey bro you got a chance you might be able to go to like play at the next level I was like well what do you mean I play at the next level I'm going to the league he was like no in order to play in the league you have to play in college Mm -hmm. and I was like oh man I got to play in college like my my mom can't pay for college what do you mean she got we got to go to college right because again $13,000 a year income there ain't no way I'm getting into school with that right um so what ended up happening was i made the decision in my mind i gotta get a scholarship i gotta go get a, i gotta get a full ride i gotta get a full ride and that became like my burning desires with the thought process was in my head and i remember you know teachers would ask me all the time all, like oh what are you going to be when you grow up oh, i'm gonna be a football player i'm going to the league it's happening and obviously you get hit with all kinds of dumb stuff right jim like you get people that tell you you can't do it i actually attended a high school where nobody ever earned a d1 scholarship before so that was a problem i heard that from multiple teachers and even administrators that was like no, you're like, come on, bro. Like be realistic. That's a pipe dream. Focus on your grades and and I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, like you're still like, they were kind of putting down my dream. Right. I even had one, I had one teacher when I lived in the city, she said, you have a better chance of going to jail or dying before you ever have an opportunity of accomplishing that goal, which again, it's not false. That is true. Statistically speaking, that is hundred percent true. However, you don't say that to a to a kid that like he tells you this is this is what I want to do, right? Uh, so long story short, I became the first kid in Chesapeake High School, Baltimore County's history, to earn a D one scholarship to go play ball at the next level, right? First person in history ever, and I'm not and and, and I'm I'm glad I say that, I say that because I don't want to knock on my chest, but because I want to help other kids now accomplish that from that school too. But more importantly, what happened because of that scholarship, I became the first male in my family to ever earn a college degree that was huge so when we take that all the way back to the podcast because that's where we first started my whole mindset is about being a generational curse breaker it doesn't matter the environment you grew up in it doesn't matter the family that you were born into their past does not determine your future so therefore you can start identifying what it was in your family's life that maybe they were not successful at and you you can start to say like okay i see what you did but i'm going to go in a different direction i'm going to break new molds i'm going to try new things which allows me to then become this curse breaker, this changing the family legacy forever, right? I wanted my last name to now be known throughout generations and I want my kids' kids and then their kids to also know who I was, right? Because of that decision that I made to start allowing them to have the life that they're gonna have 30, 40, 50 years from now, right? It's all about the vision that you cast and that's kind of where, obviously I didn't have that when I was a kid, However, now, especially being a dad and a new dad, I see that more and more. It's like, okay, everything I do today, it's not impacting just me, it's impacting my family legacy. And legacy is what became the most important thing me. Mm. So
0: tell me about the podcast. <laughs> 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 so what's the podcast called and what is the whole goal of it?
1: The podcast is called The Curse Breaker Podcast. All right. (laughs) Curse Breaker Podcast is the name of the podcast. Goodness gracious, that was a long-winded way.
0: Hey, this is the place to be long-winded. This is, I'm like, you're like, long story short, I'm like, you've come to the wrong place, my friend. This is is long story long. The Curse Breaker Podcast, that is awesome, okay.
1: Absolutely, so it's called Uh, The Curse Breaker Podcast, um, and the whole basis of it actually has show goals connected to it. So the goal behind the show is to actually start creating leadership and uh, entrepreneurship programs inside of low income schools so that kids can learn at a very young age what I wish I learned when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. So they can start making decisions that benefit them in their future, right? Like everybody's yeah. not supposed to fit in this mold of go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, right? So if you can, the earlier you can start teaching them about entrepreneurship opportunities and teaching them how to lead themselves so they can then go lead other people. That's the purpose behind the show is to help kids realize that for themselves and everything, you know, all the donations and things that we get for sponsorships. A lot of that percentages goes towards helping develop those programs. Oh, awesome.
0: That's really fantastic. (laughs) So do you have guests on it?
1: I will. So season one is a solo season um, where I'm actually talking all about the book, uh, which we talked about a little bit offline, but I talk a whole lot about the the, just the steps of the the framework of the unlock you formula that's inside of my book. So the first season is just, I think it's gonna be 11 episodes and it's just me talking deeper into each of those chapters and how to develop those habits as a Mm -hmm. foundation, primarily so I can always refer back to them when people are on the show or if I get a question or something like that, I just, hey, go back and listen to episode whatever and then you're gonna get all that information. But then following that, like season two and forever on, it's definitely going to be bringing on a lot of other curse breakers, people who have, or like yourself, right. Mm -hmm. Who, where you grew up in an environment and you had a similar, like not similar background to me, but a different background than the majority. However, you didn't let that dictate whether or not you were going to be successful or whether or not you was going to accomplish your goals. So that is the huge thing behind my guess is like you had to overcome something deep rooted before you come onto the show and share about it because, that is going to impact lives and it's going to help a whole lot of other people get out of their own way. So that's huge for me. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. Okay. So you started talking about your story a little, we're going to go back in time. You said Baltimore, Maryland, (laughs) and you made a comment about your sibling being 20 years apart. So take us back (laughs) and tell me some of the dynamic behind that, that situation.
1: So my mom had my sister when my mom was between 15 and 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was actually. My, my, I found this out recently. My mom was actually raped when, when, and then my sister came out of that. Um, and then my dad came along. I don't know what, when, what, how old my sister was when she, when he came along. But my dad came along. Then my mom and dad got married. My mom didn't even know she was going to have more kids. Then she got pregnant with my brother at 32. And then she got pregnant with me at 37. And I was literally a surprise baby. Like she went in for a routine uh uh yearly physical and she you know the the doctor came in and basically said like hey miss thomason anything extra you want to tell us like any information anything like that and She was like no like i'm good like i don't really understand was like well you're pregnant she was like well get the heck out of here like you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> my, mom, my mom is literally stereotypical southern black woman right so you can only imagine some of the words that were said inside the room which <laughs> was hilarious um but I was literally a, a a surprise baby. I had no my mom had no idea that she was gonna have me. I think she was already between six to eight weeks pregnant already, like before right. she knew that, that I was coming along. So I was born into that, and then I was um, I think until I, like I said, my dad left when I was about seven or eight years old. so when I was nine, I actually moved in with my sister. So my sister had three kids at the time. Well, she has three kids only. So her three kids were already born. Uh, I actually have a niece that is a year and a half older than me. She was born in 91. I have a nephew who's four years younger than me, and then a niece that's nine years younger than me. But we grew up like siblings because I lived in their house. So although I'm the uncle, I always tell people I was, I I joke about it, I said I was born to be an uncle because I literally came out and I was an uncle. (laughs) Wow. so yeah that's a little bit of my background
0: (laughs) okay let's dive into i know your dad left when you were eight so what was the dynamic like your brother's five years older than you are were you too close what was it like with your dad do you remember much of that
1: so i remember yeah i I don't remember my dad as much as my brother does because my brother was 13 when he left and it had a a much different impact on my brother than it did on me for me my entire mindset because my dad drove truck when he was around so when he drove truck, it was like, all right, well, I I couldn't, for me, I couldn't really miss what I didn't have. Right. Cause my dad, I didn't really see him almost ever. When I had to go to school, he was either just getting back in and going to sleep. And by the time I went to bed, he wasn't home yet. So I never really never developed that relationship with my dad. However, my brother, him and my dad was like two peas in a pod. And, um, it was, it was definitely a much different dynamic when he left, because for my brother, my dad made my brother all these kinds of promises like "Oh, i'm gonna take you with me if we do leave and blah 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 blah. and then we me, still to this day me and my brother have not seen my dad since the day he left like when he walked out the door you have no idea if he's alive or dead or anything else so like that's another piece of the dynamic we have no we have no idea where the guy is um so wow. that was definitely different as well uh but yeah I, I, it definitely had a bigger impact on my dad but my brother me and my brother didn't get close until i was about 13 years old and I, and I basically was progressing really fast in football. Like prior to that, yep. my brother, it was like that typical older sibling, younger sibling relationship. I want to do everything he wanted to do, but at the same time, he just wanted to beat me up all the time. So, but I appreciate it because it made me tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now your mom, you said she was on disability for $13,000 a year, which is yep. abysmal. I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that and she made things work as best she could so i know like hindsight now you understand the water not being hot and but you're right i mean a good mom will make it seem like it's no big deal and you have nothing right. to compare it to so you don't really know right. what was her disability what was that like for you
1: so she her disability was more so like physical disabilities mm-hmm. My mom still, still to this day one of the sharpest. Knives in a drawer, like her mind is the sharpest thing. However, um, me and my brother, well, I witnessed my, my father abuse my mom. And that was one night where, you know, it was, it was crazy situation. And, you know, from that night, she already had like some hip issues and things like that. But when she got abused that night, it like really messed up her lower back and she had a dislocated disc in her back and some, some different issues there. Then she has uh, arthritis as well as carpal tunnel. And she also has a collapsed shoulder on her left side as well. So it was a couple of different things that happened there, and obviously over the years they've gradually gotten worse. Um, but that was pretty much where the disability income came from uh, because of those those physical ailments that she had there. Um, but again, the strength that my mom has is kind of it's kind of it's it's crazy. It's it's very it's very like uh, encouraging to me the amount of strength that she always displays despite pain that she's in and things that she's working through physically. So, but yeah, that's where that came from.
0: Your brother and your dad were really close. You said, so what was that like? I mean, I know he wasn't around so much that the abuse was happening like on a super regular basis, but mm-hmm. w- what was that like for you as a kid, from your perspective, seeing that?
1: Yeah. So I only saw physical abuse I only saw one time. Like it only happened okay. once. I've never, I never witnessed that another time. Um, as far as verbal, I mean, they, they'd be yelling matches all the time, but my dad he abused, he abused alcohol and he abused drugs. So like, it'd be different times where it's just high volume, the yelling matches in the house of like, Hey, give me my money or whatever else. Cause primarily what my dad would do or based off of what my mom told me, she would, he would bring home a check and basically give her money from the check to pay the bills and everything else. And then he would basically go and gamble the rest of it away. And if he came back and was like, Hey, I want more money. It was just like this huge argument that would then happen like no i need the money for bills and everything else however you know you're trying to take the money and (laughs) so it was it was a dynamic that was there and uh yeah it was it was different man like obviously i tell this i tell people this all the time i found out in my household the exact way i did not want my marriage or my relationship to be and that's no knock on my mom i still respect my mom to the fullest however i just i had an example of what i didn't want my life to look like i didn't want to continuously raise my, wo- my voice at my wife or just getting screaming matches with my wife or um, or obviously def- never put my hands on her or start any type of physical uh, altercations or anything inside the house. So like, I think I just, like I said, I found out some of the different dynamics of what I didn't want my life to look like. Um, right. So that was, I, I don't know, I guess that was kind of the silver lining for me <laughs> mm-hmm. compared to just being angry that I grew up in that type of environment.
0: Well, again, like you said, I mean, I, I remember being like junior high school when I realized the difference in income because you go into Mm -hmm. someone's house and it doesn't look like your house and their parents don't act like your parents. And Mm -hmm. you try, you literally, I mean, I think for kids, they're trying to put all that together, like it doesn't even make sense. They don't connect it. They're not asking those questions and they don't, I just wanted to go play with my friend at her house. right? And then you start to pick things up. So at eight, he left uh -hmm. your brother's older At what age did you go live with your sister and why why did was was that decision made
1: it was between nine and ten years old um primarily because the house that we were living in in the city was being foreclosed upon because when my dad left obviously the, the mortgage and everything wasn't being paid so the the deal was to try to basically go live with my sister and my mom was supposed to get back on her feet so that we can then move out and then you know do our own thing or whatever else out in baltimore county because it was understood that you just get a better education out in the county than you do in Baltimore City. You're not exposed to the same amount of uh, streets, basically. (laughs) You know, the same amount of hardships and stuff that's Mm -hmm. around you. So that was pretty much the goal behind it while we left. And yeah, like I said, it was 2003 when we left. Uh, I think it was November, 2003. Did your brother go with you? He did, but he didn't stay at my sister's house for long. (laughs) Primarily because He's. I mean, like we grew. I mean, like I said, we just grew up differently. So even when I was in the city, it was it was a cultural shock for me to move out to the county because we were so used to like when we came home from school, after you finished your homework, you can go outside. You could literally play until the streetlights came on. Like you just just go have fun outside. When I moved to my sister's house, it was like no, you can't go outside ever. Like you can only go outside when a parent was in the home or an adult was home. However, there was never an adult home because both adults were working. So it's like you come home from school and you just like you just sit in the house all day long and my brother definitely wasn't having that i mean like i said at that point he was 13 14 years old he already knew how to catch public transportation he already had his you know his core set of friends and stuff that was down in the city so his decisions was just like you can't tell me what to do i'm gonna go do what i want to (laughs) do whereas though for me i was still a kid you know i couldn't really make that decision
0: (laughs) you liked your sister's house and you liked your uh nieces and nephews of course and so that part was good. The relationship with your sister was good. Cause that's a big age difference.
1: Yes. So, my sister is, was always like a mom to me instead yeah. of a sister. So, I mean, I, I've always appreciated my sister and, and just like any strong, two strong headed people, we always butt heads, right? Like there's yeah. different times when we obviously butt heads, but still to this day, I still respect my sister. My sister has taught me a lot. And I mm-hmm. think I thank her for the sacrifice that she made of bringing me in as, as her brother, right? But treating me like her own child, so I, okay. I do appreciate that as well.
0: <laughs> so, what happened with mom between ten and now? I mean,
1: yeah. So <laughs> that's funny. My mom. I think I moved back in with my mom my junior year of high school, so I had to be between fourteen and fifteen years old, somewhere like that. Um, and my mom was basically we called her we called her a gypsy. She was gypsying around because she uh, she was trying to again she was trying to put money together and everything else so that we can go out and get our own place she was on the section eight waiting list. um she was also like so she was just living between houses she would she would be with my, my godmother for a couple of weeks she would be with my aunt for a couple of weeks and just kind of like bouncing around doing different things and uh, but yeah eventually she got got stuff together she was approved for section eight which i don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with section eight housing and things but yeah she was approved for section eight housing which allowed her to get an apartment that was out in essex which is where i grew up and where my where my school was um, and then when that happened, I mean, I still communicated with my sister. We were at that point, we we're probably in driving distance, twelve minutes apart, driving wise awesome. back and forth to my sister's house. So, still, obviously, developed a relationship with my nieces and nephews. Um, I think at that point, my niece—I don't know if my niece was going to college already. I think my niece was going to college. She's two years. She was two years older. Well, she was a year and a half older to me. However, she was two grades above me at all times. So yeah, if I was a junior, she was already in college.
0: Right, right, so yeah. go okay, now, take me through football. So you realized, and it, yes, it's terrible that I know statistically the information you were given was true, but it's still mm. terribly crushing. you were in school, you were loving football, and you were working hard at that, and mm. switching schools didn't interrupt that process for you at all
1: no because when i when i left the city i didn't play organized football until i got to the county and i was 13 years old when i was a freshman so there was no interrupt i didn't i didn't play any organized for any organized teams until i until i was 13 years old
0: awesome okay so that because that was one i was like geez you're switching schools in the middle
1: of this you realize
0: (laughs) college now how tall are you
1: six three
0: yeah i thought so so I don't know. I've
1: been 6'3 since freshman year. I never grew that freshman year high school. Uh,
0: yeah, well, <laughs> I know I was 5'9 as a freshman. Like, yeah, hear, I, yeah, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> so uh, you are playing football and you're getting good because that's your ticket. You see mm-hmm. this as your ticket. So yep. tell me how that went with school and football. And what happened with all those naysayers when you got the D1 scholarship? Some guy in there. There had to be some. <laughs>
1: It's funny because um I will start there first because I, I just love I just love the story. I just feel okay. like in general, once you once you accomplish what you say you're gonna accomplish, everybody who told you that you couldn't do something mm-hmm. and you go back and try to like push it in their face, like ah, like I did it, ha. Like they'd be like, Oh, I always knew you was gonna I do it. I knew you could Yeah, like I knew you was gonna do it. Like I was only messing with you, like, come on, bro, like you you you, you lying. Like you're hundred percent lie. So so that's pretty much what happened. The people that told yeah. me that I couldn't do it, uh, they, they basically saw <laughs> saw that it could and they were just kind of like, congratulations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the tide turned really quick. It's just like, you know, I'm proud of you and different things like that. And don't get me wrong, like I know I said those three instances, but I did have a lot of great people, a lot of great mm-hmm. staff, teachers, um, parents, the people that was there for me at all times that I can definitely, I can sit here and I could do a whole episode just thanking each individual person that has been there for me and and helped me get to where I am today. Because if it wasn't for them, I mean, I wouldn't been able to play the game that I love to play anyway, because my mom didn't have a car. My sister was working all the time. So I had to depend on other parents to get me back and forth towards practice. You know, I was riding my bike, you know, all kinds of different stuff that you're doing in between, just to make sure that you're there and on time (laughs) or early because I had a coach that said, if you're early, you're on time. And if you're on time, you're late. So we had to be early to everything.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. The most the biggest thing that you have talked about as far as what you got you through, the things that mm-hmm. got you through, like, you know, poverty and not having a dad around and living with your sister. I know that there's a lot of good in all of that, but in that mm-hmm. struggle of that, it was the people around you that were supportive that were the biggest influence.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, absolutely. And I was you- saying you
0: capitalized on that.
1: You definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
1: I took I mean, like, not I mean, when opportunities came around, I made sure that I was taking advantage of it, right? Because not a lot of opportunities came my way. And and again, I had amazing teachers and people that took an interest in me and didn't want me to make dumb decisions and things like that. But I think a lot of it is also the association that I had. I really only had two best friends in high school. And it was it was my friend named Eli and my friend named Baker. Um, until I got a little bit older, I, I dated a girl named Dejanay, who was also a really, really huge proponent in like the association side of things because she just, she wasn't involved in dumb stuff either. So like, therefore, when we hung out, there was no distraction. There was no like distraction to do anything stupid. But me and Eli, primarily for, for the majority of our, of our high school years, it was like, we were the dynamic duo. You would not see one without seeing the other. And we, we came from both similar backgrounds, you know, single mom household. He had he was the middle child of three three boys, and yeah, because I had to think about that because he does have a younger sister, but she came way later in life. (laughs) She came while I was while I was in college, I think, either in college or just before I got into college. Um, But yeah, so like we had we both had this dream of like going to the NFL and being able to create this life where as though we can give all this stuff back to our moms because of the sacrifices that they had to make for us and, and everything, right? So it's like me and him was like this, it was this inseparable bond. And anytime people would ask us like, bro, are you going out to party? No, are you gonna smoke? No, are you going to, no. Like none of, none of that was even on our radar because we had like this bigger vision of like, I can't do that and go to the league at the same time. Mm-hmm. So therefore it was just, we decided not to. Um, so association was a big aspect of that huge aspect of of just making the right decisions to get to where we need to go. (laughs) That is
0: awesome. So you get the D1, everybody tells you, we knew you could do it or if anybody (laughs) could make it happen for the first time, it was you. you (laughs)
1: Right, exactly.
0: Which is not a lie. Also, (laughs) that is a true story. Mm -hmm. You go to college, D1 scholarship, you go to college. Now you graduated college. What was your degree in? Entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) Ah-ha! <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, right? <laughs> so college went well. You did get a degree. You're the first male yep. in your family. Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> what, what happened with football?
1: So that's, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad I could talk about it now because for a while it used to, be, it used to frustrate me to talk about. But pro- basically what happened, something about junior years, man, like junior years are like spoken moments for me. But junior year of college now, not high school, uh the reality set in that i wasn't going to the league primarily because my college career was nothing like i expected it to be i didn't have the playing time um i, I at, a, at a point in time when i was in college i mentally quit because i just accepted uh other people's expectations of me instead of living up to my own expectations and for that reason like i said i mentally quit so like junior year was a tough time because i had to figure out like okay if i'm not going to the league if i've spent the last nine ten years of my life and this is my dream and this is my goal like what am i going to do like what is my next step how how do i proceed from here what's you know what is my options and i started focusing more not necessarily on school but life after school Like, i, I started early junior year applying to, applying to different jobs all over the country like i was just like whatever pays me the most money that's where i'm going <laughs> so that was kind of like the mentality ahead of time and i just i just kept on applying to different places doing these different things and um, and then football ended, right? And, and when football ended, it was kind of like, I don't know, it was weird. It was like a sign of relief. Like, and and then I also knew like my, it was a sign of relief, I think one, because I mentally quit on it already. So the mm-hmm. fact that I no longer had to physically be there, it stopped reminding me of the fact that I mentally quit. Um, but also it was like a, it was like a sigh of relief from like, okay, now that that's over, that chapter's done, what's next? And my, my i've always been this way i've never been a person that's like i'm content with where i am my, my my thing is always what's next like i accomplished this what's next i accomplished it what's next and that's that's been my mentality for as long as i can remember i like i can't even i can't even tell you like an age or whatever else that, that popped in um but that's that's been my mentality so when junior year hit i was just kind of like all right if football's done like what am i doing next and it, it became searching for different jobs figuring out what i want to do I knew i was only going to work for x amount of years right like i didn't want to work for somebody forever so the position that i looked for was sales positions because i figured if i learned how to sell then i'll be able to sell whatever i need to do when i start my own business right so that was the mentality behind it (laughs) um and that's what i've had as far as jobs up until this day i've I've had sales jobs each one teaching me different aspects of what i need to do but the fundamentals was always there like the people skills and the genuine desire to help other people and not like, you know, receive everything from it, but also what am I giving? What value am I, am I trading to get something in return? So that's been a lot of what, what the, the mindset has been. So I don't know if that necessarily answers the question, but hopefully it adds in the right direction.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure if you had an injury or you decided it wasn't your thing. I, I didn't know why football ended for you.
1: No, nope, no injury. So, Thank God I'm a knock on wood. I haven't had any major injuries. So all the years that I played, I've I've never broke a bone. That's the worst I got was a dislocated finger. Like I can't bend, I can't bend my thumb.
0: Well, you're deformed now. Past so this. that's that. Uh,
1: that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Outside, and I felt bad sometimes talking <laughs> about it because obviously I played with guys that like yeah, you know, especially a lot of guys that had significantly more talent than I did, significantly more potential than I did. But you know they they broke a leg or like you know they they the ACL tears and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, dang man, like you know these and here I am with with no almost no blemish, right? I got one high ankle, one high ankle sprain and that that dislocated finger. That's pretty much the extent of my injuries. <laughs> that's,
0: that. I mean, that's that's a huge blessing too. Moving Amen.
1: forward,
0: and I love your attitude. So I want to. Capitalize a little bit on this because I want to give our audience tips and tricks. Because you, it's it's innate for you, right? It's just second mm. nature for you to think, okay, this is over. What's next? Mm. Do you have any idea what gives you that inner fire? Because you could have been really, really bummed out about not going, <laughs> not going to the league.
1: Right. I, I think it's it's think it's, it's like uh I, like I said, I don't know how to pinpoint it. However, mm-hmm. just reflecting. I feel like it's just a sense of I'm either moving forward or moving backwards by default. There's no such thing as standing still. Right. Like that has been, that has been like the mentality, like, and I never really knew how to put that in words until I was like 22 years old, but I always felt like if I stop moving towards something then I'm just gradually dying. Like, and and I never wanted that, I never wanted to die, right? Like either- That'll do it. (laughs) And not in a physical sense, but like in a mental sense. Like I never wanted my mind to just be like, succumb to this, oh, well, this is life and this is how it's gonna be for the next 50 years. Like, no, man, like there's so much more that you can do, so many different actions that you can take. You know, your your entire life can change in in six months, right? Mm -hmm. Let alone three to five years. If you're consistent at something for three to five years, so my mentality just—it's always been like, okay, what's next? Like after you accomplish something, you can't get comfortable, you can't get content. Like there is something else out there. There's a, there's something else outside of your comfort zone that you need to stretch a little bit more to get to, mm-hmm. in order for you to step into that greatness, right? Or impact the next person. Because that's another thing. Like I'm a huge, I'm a huge uh, proponent in leadership, right? And leadership is spelled E X A M P L E. It's all about the example that you set so a lot of the times i feel as though people get into positions and they're maybe handed a leadership position Mm -hmm. but they're they're not leaders right they're they're just they want to dictate to people and tell them this is what you need to do where i say you need to exemplify what that looks like right you need to go show them what you want them to do because then therefore they'll follow you well done is always better than well said and even now so that i'm a i'm a dad and i have two boys that look up to me and see these things all the time like it makes me reflect all the time on my own individual actions. Like I want to make sure that I'm I'm doing things that, as they pick it up, if it becomes habits of theirs, then it's actually going to benefit them instead of harm them, right? So um, I, I think, like I said, it's just, it came from that mentality of I, I know I need to be moving forward. Like there's no there's no retreat. There's no don't go backwards, right? And it, maybe it's a sports thing. Maybe it came from mm-hmm. sports, right? Like because I played defensive line so it's it's more so like you had to penetrate you had to you had to push them back they could not come right. the other way so maybe that's where i don't know deep down inside that's really where it comes from like you ain't pushing me backwards i'm going forward whether you like it or not <laughs> uh,
0: you learn a lot playing a team sport i mean no yes. matter what team it is you learn a lot from that so i wasn't sure tell me about meeting your wife
1: <laughs> that's a that's oh. a great story That right. my, my wife story is a uh i I call it a god story 100 of the time because when i my mentality going through high school and and not actually no not high school but in college i was just stereotypical d1 football player right Mm -hmm. i felt as though i can do anything i want with anyone i want anytime i wanted to do it and that was just you know my mentality right and when i graduated from from college i was introduced to a couple right a couple here locally in Binghamton who had just amazing marriage like amazing example of parents amazing example of of like a marriage which i never saw when i was growing Mm -hmm. up right so i never experienced that um as well as just he was a successful business owner it was like all this fruit he had on the tree and i think slowly that mindset started to change it reminded me of what i wanted long term anyway like i remember as a kid thinking to myself like i'm never going to demean a woman i'm never going to do anything to hurt women and everything like that and i got to college and my my excuse of 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 saying i'm not hurting you was being honest like, Hey, this is not going to turn into anything. It's just something that's happening because it's happening. Right. And, um, and it, it, you know, obviously that was my, I think that was the excuse that I told myself But in the end that it was exactly what I was doing. I was the meeting woman. I wasn't treating them with the value that they deserve and everything else. And I think when I so when I started interacting with this couple, his name, his name is Evan and Rachel Grubb. And I started interacting with them. I was like, man, like you guys have so much fruit on the tree. You have so much abundance in your marriage and so much love and genuine that's, that's there um and i started like slowly my mind started changing right yeah. and then uh basically what happened was they invited me to a leadership conference that happened over a weekend and on a sunday there was a optional morning worship service right okay so just to give a little bit of context again so my wife birthday is july 16th so she recently just turned 28. I, I she's never mind i was gonna well actually i'll say it she's getting old yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I only say that because she would say it herself. She was like, "I'm getting older no.
0: She's I in the like, 28 right, Forever Club, honey. Welcome to my world. Okay, we can be in the 28 Forever right. Club together.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, um, so her birthday was July 16th, or is July 16th? And we met back in 2016, right? Okay. It was July 16th, 2016. That was when our birthday was. We met. I think we met the year before 2015, around November time, we met on Tinder, right? And we were both on Tinder for the wrong reasons. Like, obviously I had, still had this mentality of, I want to do anything I want whenever I want to do it. She was on Tinder for the wrong reasons, just looking for, you know, attention and things like that. And I remember us matching and I remember me asking like, hey, like, you know, we should get together, we have dinner, different things like that. And she just straight up, nah, it ain't gonna work out. Like, does you... <laughs> like, no, we should not, you know, I'm in a bad state of life and blah, 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 blah. And I was just kind of like, all right whatever i'm not used to getting denied but you know i just right. i'll let it rock right <laughs> and um so we didn't talk for probably a couple of months and then i reached out to her again was like hey how you doing you know are you still in your little relationship with your boo thing things like that and she's like no nah, it's not really but um you know so i was like at this point i'm like trying to feel my way into it right i'm like all right, right. this is gonna it's gonna be a time i'm like all right well we i think again we should probably get together let's grab dinner whatever and she's like nah still not a good time in life so at this point i like I shut this thing off. I'm like, no, I'm not reaching out to this girl anymore. Like, if you're going to keep on denying me, what's the point of keep on reaching out and getting my feelings hurt, right? And um, I don't know. It was weird. It was like, crazy thing happened because on her birthday, you know, on Facebook, you get notifications telling you it's people's birthday. Right. So I was nice. I reached out. Instead of on Facebook, I sent her a text. I was just like, wow. hey, happy birthday. Hope all is well and everything else. It was in the middle of this leadership conference that I was at. And she texted back, was like, hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for reaching out. That's so sweet of you and blah, 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 blah. And then I basically told her like, all right, I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not trying to not text you back, but I'm in the middle of this conference. I know tomorrow I'm gonna be inside of this morning worship service. Um, I'll text you afterwards or whatever else on the ride home. And her response was different from anybody else's response that I ever got before. She was like, wait in the morning worship service? Like, that's awesome, tell me how it goes. Like, I would love to know how, like what happened, like, you know, all different things like that, right? And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Most people just was like, whatever to to those type of statements, right? Um and then that morning, so that was her birthday was on July 16th. That was a Saturday. That morning on the Sunday on the 17th, I rededicated my life to Christ. So I ran up front, you know, the the business owners is talking about their story and and it wasn't anything preaching at you or anything like that. But it was just um a business owner sharing his relationship. And I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. I want what you got. Let me run up let me run up here and and claim this. Um, And then that's basically what happened. And then on the it's funny cause I talked to Colleen on the, on the ride back. And I t- basically told her what happened. Um, and she told me that her, she just basically rededicated her life to Christ that same week. And then we ended up finally getting dinner that Monday. So her birthday was that Saturday. Rededicated my life to Christ on Sunday. We got dinner that Monday and we've been together ever since <laughs> everybody oh, that was in communication, every all the stuff that was prior to that, it was like it all disappeared just boom yeah. snaps gone i don't even know who you are anymore
0: <laughs> big change huh big yes. change
1: huge change
0: <laughs> so why did she blow you off the other time
1: the first so the first time she was going through uh just negative yeah she basically she was never in a relationship so i was the first relationship she ever had however she was in situationships with like people and never from like a sexual physical type of way but more so like uh just really cared for somebody that never that never even really paid her any mind. And she felt as though she was trying to overcome that. So she didn't want to basically introduce me and come in, kind of put me inside of that, that, uh, that in-between, right? While mm-hmm. she was trying to figure out if this person is somebody she wants to be with or not. And then the right. second time she was kind of, kind of sort of seeing somebody, but not really seeing this dude. Okay. And um, yeah. It was kind of so like you hashed
0: it all out. You got yeah, that all figured out okay, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: and now you have
0: two babies and a business. So let's tie in the end. You're still working, and of course it made sense to me in the beginning. You're still working with those college age students. Yep. You didn't go back to high school. You're hitting them in college. When, well, I, I do high
1: school as well. So okay. I, I speak in high schools as well.
0: They they're they've gotten to a certain point and they're kind of like shrugging their shoulders like I don't know or I don't know <laughs> which right. all of you guys going into college are doing through most of college you're still doing that it's normal Right. Um and you're working with them to help them have that same trajectory that you had mm-hmm. like the the mindset part of it.
1: Exactly. Cuz I think the mind is the most important piece, right? Like what when you start having that change in mindset and the belief in yourself that you can literally accomplish anything you want to accomplish as long as you're willing to do the work and surround yourself with the right people and submit your ego so that you can learn from others and and not feel like you can take the world on by your own and become this self-made person hate that phrase because nobody's self-made right Mm -hmm. like everybody had to everybody helped you at some point whether if it was a negative influence or a positive influence Um, so that was my quick rant you're not self-made (laughs) <laughs> but okay. that mindset is so important for you to develop so you can then you, you don't place any limitations on you at that point right like once you get that in your mind it's like you can do anything you want you just can't do everything you want right you can you can literally at that point like you okay say you come out of college and you're like man working for somebody else sucks I want to go start my own business well if you develop the mindset first you can go start your own business But if you hang around employees all day long and talk to them about how you're gonna start a business, all they're gonna do is talk you out of it. But if you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs and not just entrepreneurs but successful entrepreneurs, ones that have actually created good businesses and thriving businesses, then you're gonna get the mindset that you need to go do what you wanna do. Uh, but you just got to start opening them doors for yourself
0: <laughs> well and i love your example you're the d1 scholarship that had never happened in the history of your area and you're the first college graduate male college graduate in your family mm-hmm. i mean and you didn't get your ged either on top of that you know so right. um you've already shown them by example that that's possible so what do you want and how do you get it and what are you showing yourself Eddie, I adore you, you know, all <laughs> I
1: Appreciate that, Jen. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: and, and of course, we have everything in show notes. People can get in touch with you. Um, anything you want to tell people about getting in touch with you?
1: Of course. I mean, just definitely go to my website. We already talked about it, Thompson.com. but the primary place where I hang out, like Jen already mentioned, is LinkedIn. So if yeah. you if you have a question, something that you wanna reach out to me about, do it on LinkedIn, because that's the primary place where I hang out. Um, and it's something I tell, you, tell people all the time, Jen, is don't put me on a pedestal. Some people will listen to this podcast and they'll think like, man, that dude's so far ahead, and I don't know if I'll ever get on this level, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm just a regular dude. I still got issues, I still got problems, I still have life that happens. The only difference between me and you is probably the fact that i made more positive decisions that have compounded over time than you did, right? So don't put me on a pedestal, don't t- t- take me up as like this guy that's untouchable, reach out, let's have a conversation. I love to get to know you, because if I can help you, I will. And if I can't, I have amazing people that's inside of my network like Jen, Mm -hmm. who are more than willing to help you guys as well so uh don't put me on a pedestal
0: (laughs) i hear that a lot i I, yeah that's true it's amen to that one eddie thank you so much for being on and sharing your story i appreciate
1: you absolutely thank you for having me jen this was awesome
0: Thank you for joining today. It's been a pleasure. You can find me at momof18.com and on social media platforms as momof18. A huge thank you to NGBN TV for sponsoring this podcast episode.